Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, along with Tifa Snow. And speaking of snow, we're at the other end of the scale here on the west coast of Canada. Over 60 communities uh, posting new record high temperatures. So what better topic for today than dealing with heat or cold in a person living with dementia? Now, Tifa, let's start with heat. Um, This could be for a person living at home or perhaps even a care facility that doesn't have air conditioning. What are our dangers and what should we be looking for? Yeah, so one of the things we know about people living with dementia is their brains and their bodies are not as well tuned to cues. So when you or I get a cue from the environment that the temperature is elevated, our brain tells our blood system to dilate. In other words, you need to get rid of some heat here because otherwise you're gonna start building up heat in the system. And so what our brain does is said vasodilate. And when you vasodilate, it lets the blood flow near the surface. And when you do that and it's still warm, what you start doing is perspiring. And the perspiration is a way to put moisture over the surface of your skin, which then causes evaporation and you get rid of heat. And so this skin process, now here's the problem with aging in and of itself you lose your effectiveness at doing that quite so well. Older skin is not as good at this as younger skin. And so we have fewer parts of us, well, some people do, you know, the more you've lost um, your elasticity in your skin and the more that your skin becomes fragile, the less capable it is of doing this kind of evaporation process. So what ends up happening is people who are, living with dementia, what can happen is the heat builds up. Now, in addition, they sometimes feel colder than they should. And so what do they tend to do, Greg? I know you know this, what do they do because they feel chilly? Well, let me see. We've seen lots of layers on people and you go, oh my God, oh my God. So they put it, put these layers on, and then if you look at them, they're flushed and they're trying to get rid of the excess heat. But what have they got on? Layers. So it's hard for the heat to escape because layers are great at keeping you warm. Real warm. Real warm. We recommend layers if you're out in really low temperatures. Unfortunately, what that does is set the person up for heat stroke or set the person up for passing out due to heat. It overheats the system and then people can actually lose consciousness. Um, And because they don't know they're getting dangerously overheated, they don't hydrate, they don't reduce the layers, they, and they may actually resist you if you try to get the layers off of them if you're not careful. Um, They don't wanna drink cool, cool substances. They don't, I mean, they don't want you to wet them. I mean, so I will say though, one thing you might do is if you can't get somebody out of clothing is wet the clothing because what you're going to do is drop the core temperature. So if you're looking at the person and you're going, gosh, I'm really afraid, they're really getting to the point of overheating and I'm afraid they're going to have a heat stroke. Then what you can do is use room temperature water. You don't need to use cold water, just room temperature or warm water. But when you add it to all the layers, it gets rid of that ability to hold the heat in. 
Now, because when you and I are mm-hmm. when you and I are out together, you would notice because you're hot yourself and you're yeah. aware. And you might be looking at me, going, you know, this person is just not acknowledging that it's hot. So yeah. that that's good because you you can keep an eye on me. But if you're in a care facility and you've got all of these people, yeah, what sort of a challenge does that present? Oh, I mean, it's huge because what can happen is people can get sleepy and go under and we don't even realize how how endangered they are because particularly as they're in different locations and they we've given them something to drink maybe they sat it back down and didn't drink it so we also don't know how well hydrated they are and one of the things we know about heat is you need to hydrate you need to hydrate you need to hydrate and we also know in a facility sometimes it's hard to monitor everyone so sometimes moving into a central room and adding air movement in that room and then being able to keep keep eyes on people might actually turn out to be a little safer. Um, So trying to find a space where we don't have a lot of windows, we're not adding a lot of heat to the mix, but we can move the air around. Now, particularly, you know, if people are still wearing masks in places, it's like, hmm, we may need to make some educated decisions about should we or shouldn't we keep the mask going when we're just trying to keep people from overheating. Um, because I don't know if you've had one of those masks on when you've been out in the really hot temperatures, but it is, um, it's very difficult to get in air and send it back out when you have this wet mask now that you're dealing with. Now, our our local news here has said that uh, the ambulance service is noting uh, a spike in in deaths and notably a disproportionate amount of seniors, and they're speculating that it is heat involved. So uh, we have to be aware. And if your mom's in another part of the country and you're over in the West Coast or something, it's, it's pretty tough. It is pretty tough. And so this is where if you've built some teamwork, this really comes in handy now because you call that neighbor and you say, hey, listen, could you do me a huge favor? Uh, Would you go check on mom? And might we need to disconnect her heating system? Because let's say mom actually turns it the opposite direction, because the other problem is even if she has air conditioning, what if she makes a mistake? and turns it the opposite way, or she gets the room so cold that the unit freezes up and then it quits working. So there are multiple emergency possibilities there. The problem is if you're not nearby, you wanna find a proxy. And a proxy is somebody who serves in your your stead. And if you don't have one, how are you gonna check in frequently? Well, then that's on you. So it may be time to really look hard at is it time to look around and go, wow, this is just another reason why maybe looking at a different support environment might be something to consider at this point? Tipa, as with almost everything we discussed, there's no simple answers. Uh, what can I do if I have questions? Who can I call? Uh, are there local people? Are there people on PAC that can give me some advice? Well, you know, locally, you might find in the states you have area agencies on aging. Up in the each of the provinces of Canada, however, what you're going to need is to really check out the provincial support for people who are aging. And you will typically find that they have representatives who may be able to give you an emergency list. They may be able to give you some emergency treatment ideas, or they may be able to identify local people. We do have people at PAC, however, who are more than willing to have conversations and problem solve with you. Uh, We call them consultants, and we have free half hours, and we also have an info line. So if you're getting stuck, unless it's an emergency, and if it's an emergency, get emergency help, because we're a little further away. But if you want to problem solve, 
that's where we come in. Deepa, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. If you'd like more information relating to dementia, look up tipasnow.com.